everybody and welcome to episode 46 of Women in Confidence. This week I'm joined by Ryan Lassen and I'm just going to do a really short introduction because actually I think Ryan can probably introduce herself but let me just talk you through a few things and the reason why she is on Women in Confidence. So Ryan is a mindset coach with a particular focus on high achieving black women and she covers a whole lot of stuff around confidence and focuses on clarity, courage, confidence and she takes a holistic coach process, which I really want to get into, Ryan, when um, we're chatting. And she overcomes perfection. And she one thing, another thing I really want to talk about is the confidence killers and how you help your clients overcome some of these confidence killers. But I want to start by reading you a quote, which is on your website. It's a testimonial from uh, one of your very happy clients. And she says, working with Ryan really helped me to clarify a path, a way forward, discover my voice and give me permission to imagine different possibilities for myself. And this lady called Tiona, she had a $100,000 salary increase. And she says at the end, and it's a beautiful statement, she says, was it worth it? Heck yeah. And I love that. And so just that statement alone, I had to have you on the show, Ryan. So welcome to Women in Confidence. Yeah. Thank you, Vanessa. (laughs) Thank you. And thank you to your listening audience. I think I'm going to re-record that intro and play it at 5 a.m. when I wake up because that felt like the best cheerleading, affirmative introduction. Thank you for that (laughs) very, very, very warm welcome. I really, really appreciate you and your enthusiasm having me on your show. It's really great to be here and talking about this very important topic, women in confidence. Love it. Love it. Love it. Great. Well, let's start by asking you the question I always ask everybody. What does having confidence mean to you? Yeah, it's it's a really great question because I think two things come up for me. One, sort of the meta of confidence and then the maybe micro confidence. I think the meta of confidence is this idea of One, when something is new, inherently, there's going to be a confidence gap. There's going to be a question, can I do something? And that's sort of this natural human confidence experience of confidence or or waning of confidence, lacking of confidence in certain areas. Something is new. I think what we're really talking about is when something is new and someone might be caught by caught emotionally caught physically mentally even spiritually caught in this idea of am i enough can i do it and rather than that be a natural almost like hiccup like oh this is new and i'm processing that this is new and i'm aware that this is new and the newness isn't freaking me out so much that i'm holding back it's new and I'm still moving forward. We're really kind of talking about confidence where we're holding back, right? That sense of like, for all intents and purposes, I quote unquote, should be able to move forward, but I can't. So that's the kind of confidence I'm talking about. I'm talking about those moments. So what does it mean to be in those moments of real internal fear and still be confident or still move forward in confidence? What does that mean, right? Like, what is that position? And and that is, that's tough. Like, let's talk about that. That's a tough place to be in. And I think confidence there is the sense of, regardless of the fact that I can't change anything exterior, I can't change 
what's going on. I can't change people's perceptions. What I can do though, is I can look inward and I can identify inner resources that I have and I can tap on those things and I can use that inner guidance system in this challenging situation. And to me, that is the interplay of confidence. It's like pulling on that inner wellspring that says, regardless of what's going on, I'm enough to not abandon myself and not abandon the situation, to not judge myself, not criticize myself, not belittle myself, shame myself in this moment. I'm going to hold myself and I'm going to be gentle as much as I can and move forward. And I think that's confidence. And I don't think it's something that's like a status quo or like a kind of just a, a Zen state of being that someone stays in a state of confidence. I think it's something that wanes and waxes depending on the situation, depending on a person's um, thought process at any given moment. But I do think it's something that's accessible. And I think it's definitely something that's internal. I spoke to somebody yesterday, actually, and she was talking about confidence. And she said that behind every facade, because everybody puts on some sort of facade, whether they think they do or not. She said behind every person, there's a lack of confidence. But what the confident person does is that they have overcome some of their voices and all the things that you were saying, Ryan. I mean, do you believe that to be true that behind everybody's face, facade, whatever, there's a, there is somebody with a real lack of confidence? Absolutely, I do, because I think that that, I, and I, I love, one of the things I love about these conversations is the different ways that people talk about kind of the same thing, you know, and every time we hear it, it we're able to wrap our arms around it in a different kind of way and, and integrate it and just in a different kind of way. And I love this idea behind the facade, because that really is the idea that I was, I was honing in on is we're all human. We all have that human experience, whether we present as this idea of confident or, or we present as having a lack of confidence. What's happening internally is really, really the key. And it is about being able to process stimuli in a way that says, so I think it's a human thing. Um, what the studies have shown us is that 80% of our thoughts are fear-based. That's regardless of who, what, when, where you are. That is sort of the human condition. And so if 80% of our thoughts are fear-based, then that means that we are frightened quite often. And so what we're really talking about is a frightened person being able to still move forward because of exactly what you said. They have formed habits they have mindsets, they have perspectives that they also may, they also may have a nervous system that supports them translate the exterior world. And in that translation, it says things like, that's scary, but you can still, you still can do it. Wow. That's hard, but you've done it in the past or that's really, you know, vague and unknown, but you've been through unknown experiences and you, you survived and it might not be that simplistic, but there is some level of dialogue that's happening where a person's able to override the inherent or the, the almost even innate instinctual fear that's there. And they're able to keep going. There is a conversation that says, it's okay. Don't worry about that. 
all is well. And then they keep, you know, they, they, they continue along with the momentum where confidence really becomes, I think a sticking point is where there isn't that internal resiliency to be able to say, this may seem scary and yet I can still continue on. It stays in the it seems, it seems scary phase. And so that's, that's really, you know, where I work with clients on that mindset piece and also managing their energy, their nervous system. It's really about helping them to create a greater inner resource toolbox so that they can translate that stimuli. And that's what am I talking about, about stimuli that could be, um, I need to, I, my goal is to have my hand, my, voice heard more. I want to excel in my career and I want people to know that I can contribute in meetings. And so I'm practicing raising my hand. Well, here's my goal. And now I'm in a meeting and I have all the stimuli coming at me. I've got all these eyes looking at me. I've got all of this energy happening. My nervous system is overwhelmed. I might have sweaty palms. My heart might be palpitating. I am having a, a fear-based response. And so I may notice that my thoughts are racing and here's an opportunity to like really kick on that confidence that we're talking about. And in those moments, in those real life micro moments, being able to catch ourselves and say, wait a minute, self, this line of thinking, believing and behaving is not helping me. It is walking me into doubt and out of faith right? It's out of faith that I can do this. I can handle myself. Of course I can raise my hand. Of course I can have my voice be heard. Of course I I'm here for a reason. I was hired for a reason. I add value simply by breathing and being here. That's not the level of conversation that's probably happening in that person's mind. And so it's about really building that muscle of confidence and being able to use those inner resource tools in those micro moments and, and, holding ourselves rather than uh, uh, abandoning ourselves in the fear. And with the three C's element of your work and this holistic, you talk about clarity, confidence, and courage. Are they separate or do they have to be combined? How does, how do you approach the three C's? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Thank you for that. Because again, it makes, it helps me think like, what, how do I just define these? You know, are they the same? It I, I really helps me think about that. Um, so I will say that the way that I position them, the way that I talk about them in my practice is that they're three distinct energies and they're three distinct steps. And the first step is really about clarity. It's about unlocking and claim your brilliance. And I call a person's brilliance their natural core values, their interests, their passions. Oftentimes it's under nurtured and undervalued by us, but this is our zone of genius. This is really where we are intended to, to spend our, our time and our energy. And so it's about getting clear and claiming that. So clarity has really two parts. One is about getting clear on what is holding you back. It's about getting clear on what's holding you back. It's also getting clear on what you want to create. Because a lot of times our fear can suspend our dreams. It can suspend our believability. And so sometimes it might feel like I don't even really know what I want because fear is keeping me kind of silenced. So we've got to look at two things. One, what's holding you back? And two, 
What do you really want? We've got to speak that into life. And then the next step is about courage. Courage is reframing self-limiting beliefs. So courage is the ability to, there's a great reference actually that pulls on courage. And it is the book called The Courage to be Disliked. And it is, the author's names are escaping me at the moment. It is a written by two Japanese philosophers who are Adlerian psychology or Adlerian philosophy. Uh, They're part of this Adlerian, they follow Adlerian psychology. The idea here is the courage to be disliked. So much of what we do and how we act in our lives is in response of wanting to be liked, wanting to be accepted, wanting to belong. It is a human uh, need for belonging. And we do all kinds of contortions to belong. And a lot of contortions we really don't need to do that we assume we need to do to belong. I helped a client today reroute through a self-limiting belief that she had to do everything on her own. She didn't even realize that that was a core belief until she now, six months after, after really doing some very deep internal work, she's recognized looking back, oh my goodness, I couldn't. I, I would tell myself, you can't pick up the phone and call that person. You're supposed to do this on your own. You're supposed to get this. You're supposed to know this already. You should already know this. It was taught by my family. You just go out there and do it. And she had to really laser in and realize that those self-limiting beliefs were no longer serving her. They didn't serve her. They didn't serve her because she wants to move up in her career. And in order to move up, she needs to network. She needs to be able to lean in on people. She needs to look for sponsorship and champions. And so she has to like override that voice in her mind that says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So that's this idea of courage, really being courageous. If I'm disliked, I am fine with myself. I am okay. And then moving on to confidence. And this is really around prioritizing big, bold ideas. Because when we can get really clear on what's causing us to be jammed and then also what we want, and we have all of this courage, then we can get really lost in like, well, how do I start? Where do I go? And can I actually accomplish this? You know, I've got all this energy, but what am I doing and and how do I do it? And can, can I do it? And that's where we've got to really ask ourselves, what are the priorities? And that can be a very difficult and sticky question because for high achieving people, we can want to do everything all at once. And the fact is that we can do multiple things, but we really can only do one thing at a time. So the question becomes, well, what's the priority? You know, what's the, what is the highest value thing that you can do in this moment that's going to produce the greatest effect for your goal? And sometimes it can be to rest. That can be the most important priority. It could be to make a phone call. It could be whatever the priority is, but that's the, really the guiding question is what is the priority? And that takes confidence to be able to say, I am discerning 
in what it is that I need to do. So that's how those three pieces in my practice play together. I would love to hear if we were having a discussion, you know, what does everyone else think? And, you know, please, if you're, if you're interested in on the other end of this conversation, email us and tell us what you think about clarity, confidence, and peace. That's how I, that's how I frame it within Inspire. Because the other thing I would probably throw into that, and you, and let's have a bit of a discussion, is about authenticity and being yourself. Now, where does does that sit with your clarity? Does that sit with confidence? Does that with with courage? Or does it sit across all of those? But I like to talk to my clients about being authentic because mm-hmm. nobody knows you better than you. Nobody can be mm-hmm. you better than you. So don't try and be somebody else. I mean, do you, do you believe authenticity is already captured in your three C's or is it something that you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's a great question. So I would say that my synonym for authenticity would be brilliance. Absolutely. And I lean into that. I talk about you are the youiest you that you can be, be it, you know? So absolutely that authenticity piece I think is so key because again, this idea, and I think that all of them are interwoven into authenticity. So that's as I am now putting authenticity in the conversation and peeling back the things that I said, I really, it's like, where to even start with any of those C's, but the one that's most coming up is this idea of courage, you know, the courage to be authentic. And that, but I think they all build on each other. It's like clarity. Who am I in my authenticity? Who am I? What do I like? What holds me back? What, what brings me joy? What doesn't bring me joy? Who is my being? And then from there it's courage. Well, the courage to like accept my being, I accept me for who I am. And then the confidence to like now go out and be me and allow people to see that and stand in that. So I think that it absolutely is like, you know, almost one and the same and yet quite different. Uh, They're subtleties, but they are different energies. I had a really strong visual the other day, as I talk about brilliance of, it was actually my daughter's teacher. I sent her an email, my daughter's in Montessori asking about how to support my daughter um, at home and building kind of a having my own confidence at home with Montessori um, organization. And so my daughter's teacher wrote back this amazing email. I knew my daughter's teacher was bright, but to see someone's, to see some, how did I phrase it in my mind? It was to see the glistening of someone's brilliance, but like to see the, the light of her brilliance was amazing. And so to see someone stand in the authenticity, to see that, that brightness and that purpose of someone. I think that's the core of like why we're here and the work that you and I do, you know, to help people really tap into that authenticity and to stand in their brilliance and to shine in that way. You also said another word, which is so powerful. And you said acceptance. And I guess we're all, we are talking around the same kind of thing, but sometimes the nuances of words are really important. And so that Mm -hmm. acceptance of everything about you like I'm here now I'm going to accept where I am now but I'm also going to accept when I get to where I want to be and that sense of acceptance is such a powerful thing to have um you know men women doesn't really make any difference but just accepting who you are you know faults and all is a is a big part of probably both of what we do and saying it's okay at the moment 
to not be what you want to be. Just accept that and then let's do something about it. Yeah, I love that word acceptance. I'd never really thought about it before. So thank you for bringing that up. So powerful, so powerful. I love, like you, I love words. I love like the distinction of words, the feeling of them because they really do they captured a different essence, you know, like you can substitute one for another, but they're quite distinct. And everyone, of course, has their own sort of lexicon of what a word means. But, um, but I, I do too. I, I love acceptance. It, it was one that a word, a concept that I want to say struggle. It was a challenge, you know, to really accept myself and to teach acceptance. And something I think that's very integral to the work. And I do think it's, you know, a, a human condition to be able to accept oneself, man, woman, as you said, child, old, young, um, being able to accept where we are, our shortcomings, our strengths, and like be okay with who we are as individuals. It sounds so simple. And yet we know that it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a simple thing. Mm. I'm going to talk about something that you focus on and that's high achieving women and particularly black women. So I guess my first query is why do high achieving women need mindset coaches? Surely they're all set. They've got, they haven't got a problem. So help me understand what's going on for high achieving women. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, okay. So I was asked one time, well, what is a high achieving woman? And I would have to just, I would have to say that I have to defer to each woman do, do it's a self-selected thing. Does someone define themselves as high achieving? I would say high achieving is far beyond. I don't even think it has anything to do with anyone's background education. I think high achieving is really a person who, in this case, happens to be a woman who has goals and has a vision and has a drive, has a sense of like. I know there's more, I want more. And it doesn't have to be like, again, we're talking about words where I think these are power words. Ambition, I think is a power word. I think high achieving is a power word. I, I don't, I'm not seeing these words as ambitious. I'm trying to get over someone, like push someone down to leapfrog them, or I'm high achieving. So I'm necessarily working around the clock, but there is this there's this drive that a person has, you know, there's, there's goals that they want to achieve. There's excitement behind, it might be a lot of fear and that's where I come in, but there's a, a pressing urgency or a need to create, to get something done, to get something out. It could be that somebody wants to volunteer at their school's library and they just really want to do it. It's something that's moving them. It's a passion. It's a passionate person. It's a person who wants more. That's what I would call high achieving. Now, where does the fear come in? It's that this person has this really, really, really big dream and they're really committed to going after it. And yet, oh boy, that's a big, big mountain. And it's very, very scary. And so I help high achieving people who have big, big dreams to begin to create mindsets that empower them to look at that big dream. And rather than be overwhelmed by the fear, false evidence appearing real, of that dream. It's too big. I can't do it. Am I enough? What will people think? What if I fail? What if I succeed? How do I even start? What do I do then? 
all of those are booby traps. Those are, you know, our, our confidence gaps. Those are sticky points. And so I help people to one, really slow down, really slow down and to begin to answer those questions and to decide, well, is that a question that needs to be answered now? Is that a question that even needs to be answered at all? What do you think? Let's really, you know, have some space and time to consider those questions versus just frenetically asking the questions and kind of spinning in your wheels. So they're high achieving women who have big dreams, but also can be overwhelmed by the actualization of that dream. And your particular, uh, sorry, excuse me. Um, so oh, your no, particular focus is about high achieving black women. And I might screw this mm-hmm. question up. So I apologize and, and correct no, no. me, but is there something different about high achieving black women than just high achieving women? And I say that question might be wrong, but I just want to understand it. I think it's a great question. And I, and I, I, I appreciate the question very much. I'm going to say um, yes and no, both, right? Both, both in that one, one, no, because we're human beings, just like everybody else, right? We, we have up until this point, about a half an hour into our conversation, it's been a complete human, you know, human conversation, meaning for a human being, 80% of our thoughts, regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, are going to be fear-based. So that's just the human condition. And then you put on top of the human condition, social conditioning. And this is where things do become different for different fractions of people. And so how might a particular human experience be different for a Black woman where it might be different? And let's just say a... Um, a high contrast, like a, a white male. So for instance, we make, generally speaking, a black woman makes 36, excuse me, 63% less than a white man for every dollar that we make. So just based on that alone, we're talking about, so for every dollar um, I make, I make 63% less than a white male counterpart, which means my daughter gets 63% less accessibility. My, I have my home has less 63% less exposure to anything else. So that's just a very one little micro difference. And so that that in and of itself opens a whole host of different experiences, um, different backgrounds, different understandings, different contexts of, of who we are, what we're capable of doing, the different kinds of experiences that we've had. So it is quite different when you start looking at those micro experiences and then you look at someone's, you look at the entire sort of fabric of history and what it looks like. And so you are talking about quite a different experience within a very similar human dynamic, you know? So again, yes and no from the micro, perhaps different from the macro, maybe not so different. Mm. No, thank you for that. Because actually, you're right. We're all just humans at the end of the day. And we all have human experiences. And that 80% is fear based. I didn't know that. And that is, oh, my gosh, that answers so many of the questions in my head about myself personally, but also some of my clients. So thank you for that. But yeah, these macro, sorry, these micro, maybe inequities, maybe a bit of history thrown in there. Um, No, so thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And then you also talk about um, confidence killers. So I want to understand what shows up 
I mean, we've probably talked around some of this, but what shows up for your clients? What are the biggest confidence killers that you see? Yeah, I see three. I see three made ones. I see imposter syndrome. I see perfectionism. And I see something that I have coined, like I've just titled distractionism. I see that in my practice a a lot. And I see that really as a trifecta and I'll go through each. So the first two are two mindsets that are like, um, if you looked up, you know, on, on the internet, you looked up psychology today, they are two distinct, um, mindsets that have like clinical significance, imposter syndrome and perfectionism, a lot of research, a lot of history behind them. So I'll talk about which each of them are very quickly. Imposter syndrome, generally speaking, is this idea that regardless of what my resume, my background, my experience says, I feel I have a deep-seated fear that I'm going to be called out, that I am not enough to be here. I am an imposter. Someone's going to know that somehow my, my file got through and I'm not really supposed to be here. So I have this deep-seated feeling of like wanting to hide and kind of duck and weave, not be caught, not knowing something, feel like an imposter. Perfectionism. By the title, someone might immediately say, well, I can't be a perfectionist because nothing I do is perfect, or I don't need all of my pencils lined up in a row. Well, that's actually not perfectionism. Perfectionism is, is a mindset where someone gets caught in this pervasive loop that says, unless my idea, unless my product, unless I, unless the thing I represent, unless it's perfect, unless it's complete, unless it's right, unless it's done, unless it's 100%, I can't let it go. It can't be seen. It's not enough. And so this person might be stuck on a hamster wheel of getting ready to get ready, constantly getting ready to get ready. So those two are two that you can look up in Google and get a lot of information. There's a lot of books about, you know, both of those distinctions. Now I'm going to share with you a little bit of a science experiment that I'm actually going through. I don't know if we talked about this um, on our, on our pre-recording call, but I have seen for the last, I will say this too. I am my own best client. Inspire's clients are me. I, I have learned how to navigate life, having these three mindsets be the three mindsets that have kept me stuck in my own confidence gap. So I understand them both from an empathetic level and also from an authoritative level, having people move through them myself. So distractionism, this is something that I very much have experienced and it's twofold. It is one, the sense of, I find myself this is this is like the underbelly of it. I might say something like, I just can't seem to make myself do the things that I know that I should be able to do. Do the things consistent, consistently that I know will bring about the goals that I want. I just, I can't seem to make it happen. The idea is it's the sense of like, Small things can be like, I can't buy my keys. I can't buy my wallet. It's it's this kind of sense where there's a lot of marbles on the floor and you've got to pick them all up. And you know that you technically should be able to, 
You have all the skills, but you get lost over here in the right corner, picking up marbles, and somehow you cannot get to the other side. And then you go over to the other side and you pick up marbles, but you can't get to the ones on the right. And so there's this kind of back and forth distractibility. Well, I knew this to be true. And what winds up happening is somebody then does other things because the, because it becomes so uncomfortable. Like, like when you own a business and you recognize I keep being distracted from doing this thing over here. So I'm going to kind of like go over here to these other shiny objects. And yet the other thing over there just doesn't get done. So years and years and years go by and, and I'm working on this for myself and I'm working on this with my clients and I'm having great progress within myself. Well, in the last five years, my family and I have moved three times. We've had a baby, we've endured the pandemic, and we've also been isolated for a long, long time because we had this last move in the last couple of weeks. So things have been very, 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 very tense. And this summer, things got really you know, overwhelming for me, so much so that we moved one more time, moved a home, we, we purchased a home where we are now, and I was left again having the life that we we have, which is a very dynamic life. And I couldn't find my keys over and over and over again because I no longer had a structure of where I used to put my keys. I no longer had it anymore. I can't find my shoes. And I'm literally running around noticing that my nervous system, like literally running, like running around my house, where are my things, where are my things? And I'm noticing my nervous system is so overwhelmed. It's so overcharged. Something's not quite right. You know, this distractionism thing is like really playing. It's a game on me. I'm, I'm really, I'm sensing it. And so I'm on a lot of lists as I'm sure you are too, of like different people promoting different things. And across my email, I get a email that says ADHD coach does X, Y, and Z. And it's like a bread, it's like a divine breadcrumb. Because as a child, I had been tested for short-term memory and some reading difficulties, which had all come to fruition. I'm 40, I'm 43. So this was in, in the 80s and 90s, but I never was tested for ADHD. And so here I am as an adult at 40, 43 years old, and I'm wondering, is this the thing that is causing me so much strife? And this was in August when this, when this took place. And so I did a really, really deep dive into what is ADHD. And I am in the midst of actually doing my own exploration with a psychiatrist and a psychologist. And I'm very open about this because I think this is so incredibly important. And I, I'm in the midst, so I don't have a diagnosis as of yet, but it'll be very interesting to see what comes out of it. But I will say that my psychiatrist, when she heard the three mindsets that I work with, she said, distractionism, that's fascinating. And I said, it feels fascinating because I wonder if it's my own social scientist's definition of what I have been experiencing. It's going to be very interesting to see how that pans out clinically. Mm -hmm. But I do share that for so many reasons. One, it's totally personal, totally authentic, and it's where I am and distractionism is a real thing in my practice. And two, it's to say that, you know, we we can be our own best friends. You know, no, as you said, nobody knows you like you know you. And I knew that all the work I've done, I am a very, 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 very competent coach. I believe in this work. I do the work and there, and, and I do it and, I, and I, I'm successful in all the things. And there was still a piece that was 
not clicking. And I, I feel like I'm putting my finger on it. And so I say that to say for all, for everyone else, we're all human beings. We're all as adults. I don't think we advocate enough for continuing to grow and explore who we are. And so if anyone out there has questions about who they are, like the things that they're going through, you know, there are so many helpers Mm -hmm. in this world to help us really navigate our own lives. And so I really encourage people to, you know, explore and to lean in on helpers, um, coaches, therapists, doctors, the list goes on and on, firefighter, policeman, whoever, <laughs> you know, all the helpers, but really lean in to those, those helpers. So those are the mindsets that I see. So but I guess for someone who's high achieving perfectionist, asking for help is really tricky. Like I, I accept, I rarely ask for help because I'm like, I should be able to do this. I've read the books. I've watched the YouTube clips. I'm a bright woman. I should be able to do this. And asking for help is a sign of, oh, I'm not quite capable. And people might see this as a dent in my armor. But I mean, you must see that all the time. The women who come to you is like, I can't ask for help because that makes me vulnerable. Such a good point. You know what I, I really from because I have that for myself too. That's something that particularly at the beginning of my coaching journey, I re- in my business journey, I really struggled with that. How do you ask for help? I never had a mentor, you know, because how do you even how do you approach someone and say, Will you be my mentor? Isn't that just a clear sign that says, I don't know what I'm doing and I need help? Like who, who that sounds like great advice, but who does that and how could I possibly do it? So I totally understand what you mean. And one of the things that I share with my clients and I share with myself is, and I, I list these people, Michelle Obama, Beyonce, Serena Williams. I mean, these people have coaches, none of these brilliant, amazing women at the top of their game have gotten to where they are solo or in a vacuum or in a silo. They all have coaches. They all have teams of people. People have made millions of dollars being a member of their team, not even the principal, but members of their team. So if these women can lean into their teams and be at the top of their game, somebody with a dream like mine can certainly lean into coaches, can lean into mentors, lean into a network and a peer system. No one is above support. In fact, I think it's socially, and it'd be so interesting to to do like a cross-section of different cultures and the belief around accessing help, you know, like Mm -hmm. how are we culturally conditioned to not ask for help? Because that cultural conditioning is very powerful. And I think that we are really taught to not ask for help, which is completely counter to really how human beings are designed, which is to be collaborative and to be supportive. And I think that that's really really where we really find our greatest engagements. So you mentioned three incredible women, Michelle Obama, Serena Williams, and Beyonce. If you could coach anybody, you know, famous or not famous, who would you go for? Oh, that's a good question. Who would I coach? Oh my gosh. Um, because we all know when nobody's perfect and nobody's the final know, thing. So somebody, right? who would you go who for? Who would that be? Oh gosh. Oh, Vanessa, that's a good question. I, you know, the type of people that I really like to coach, um, just sort of like as a, as a, one of what I like to coach everybody. I, I love coaching. I love coaching. One of the types of 
problems that I love to help people really solve is people who are budding entrepreneurs, who've got that like dream of something that they want to create, or, or when I say entrepreneurial, an entrepreneurial vision, it could be like this podcast that you've created, you know, right when you, when it was planted from the ether, when you got this like charge of like, I should do this thing. Oh my gosh, I should do this. This is like so good. This makes so much sense. I've got so much power behind this. And then it's like, can I make it happen? Like right there, that's like such a cool nexus to catch people because they can, you know, you don't have to quit your nine to five to like do your vision. You can, but you can also integrate that into your life. You can think about this differently. You can breathe life into it. And there's so many ideas, so many wonderful ideas that are in notebooks and in the graveyard and, you know, in shoeboxes that could be brought out and could solve so many problems. So, I mean, I would love to like coach a Beyonce. That would be so cool. But there, you know, those, those intersections of like dreams and possibility. I love that. That is the best answer. That is honestly, that was so good. It was so good. Yeah. Thank you for that. So Ryan, how can people find you, understand a bit more about you and just get to know the work and maybe even, you know, work with you, which would be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give three really quick resources. One is I have a free quiz that gives, um, it's not a diagnostic tool by any means, I have to say that, but it's like a 17 magazine kind of quiz, Cosmopolitan, that's going to give you a little snippet of whether one of those three mindsets, which one, based on the way you answer the questions, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, or distractionism may be your number one confidence killer. So you can find that on my website at www.inspirebrandconsulting.com. There's a button there that says, take the quiz. You can't miss it. Also on that website, if someone feels so inclined, like what Ryan is saying, I just really want to talk about this and talk this through. I offer a complimentary discovery call, which is free to anyone who would like to take advantage of that. We'll talk about where you are, what's holding you back and how coaching support can help you. And then of course I'm on Instagram and LinkedIn on the social media sites, YouTube to just stay in conversation. Well, thank you, Ryan, so much for being on the show and sharing everything. You know, I've, I've actually been taking some notes throughout this for my own like knowledge. You've like expanded some of my own understanding around confidence and some of the data, which, um, you know, I'll probably talk about in, in the next podcast. In the next podcast, I'll be quoting you back. But so thank you so much for being on the show. And um, I'll put all your contact details in the show notes so anybody can reach you. And I do implore my audience to go in and reach out to Ryan because she's incredible. So thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Vanessa. And thank you to your listening audience. It's incredible. Oh my gosh. Wasn't Ryan good? So, so good. Look, before I say a final goodbye to this episode, I've got a request for you. My gorgeous, gorgeous Women in Confidence listeners, please rate, review and share widely so that many, many more women can find us. Have a beautiful day.